0: This is Elizabeth Ficken, and I invite you to study the Bible with me. You'll hear lectures from my women's Bible studies that I teach at my church. I've written in-depth studies on seven books of the Bible. They're available on Amazon. There's much more information on my website, elizabethfickin.com. and you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Let's dig into God's word together now knowing that His message of salvation has been spoken to us by His Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and we'll trust that the Holy Spirit will teach us the things of God. This episode is on Psalm 25, entitled, God's Ways in Dark Days. What do we do when things around us are strange, hard, and painful? Psalm 25 will tell us what actions we are to take And the actions that the Lord takes for us. I want to talk to you about God's ways in dark days. They will come if you're not already in some right now. I am thankful they come and go, but there may be a time where they come and stay for a long time. So what do we do? You have a handout and I want to give you a little preview of how you might fill in your handout. You can't read this page, but here's a picture. There are blocks and I will be walking through slides and on the side of the slide is a big comment that you'll put in the block that corresponds to a section of Scripture. Also that word prayer will show up over the Scriptures as I'm walking through to just describe the type of phrase or um, statements that are being made in Psalm 25 as I walk through it. So you know, if you need to just listen and not fill in a handout, that's good too. I have had times in my life where I've had to stop and think, what am I going to do when things get really bad? I have the biblical worldview that things are going to get worse at some point in time, and I don't know how bad it's going to be during my lifetime. So how am I supposed to live when things are bad in a crisis or things just in the world get worse and worse? I've been through the process of searching out this question and realizing that the brightest economists of the day the most savvy financial advisors, the wisest of women around me, my family, my pastors, they can't tell me what the best plan is in caring for my family on a day-to-day basis. Only the Lord can truly tell me and my husband what to do. The Lord is the one, the only one to turn to, to determine the right actions to take. When times are tough and we get bad news, the only place to find peace is in the Lord and His Word, and it's right there for us. We've seen Psalm 24 tell us, the earth and all who dwell in it belong to Him, Psalm 24, 1. God is sovereign and therefore in control and He is trustworthy. That's good news. Psalm 25, the next chapter in Psalms, tells us that We're to turn to the Lord and know His direction for our lives. That's going to be the big picture for Psalm 25. We're to turn to Him when we're waiting for Him to bring about His purposes in our lives and His purposes in eternity, because He's got a big plan. We're to live in integrity through the trials that come into our lives or stay in our lives. And we're to ask for forgiveness. In those trials when we sin, because trials can bring out the worst in us. And Psalm 27, which we also studied in our homework, tells us because the Lord is our light and salvation and the defense of our lives, we do not need to fear anyone or anything. As we walk in confidence without fear, others will notice, and we need to be ready to share our faith. So that's a background of how I'm entering into Psalm 25. It tells us to trust the Lord, to be taught by Him, and to wait for Him. And this Psalm is applicable in any crisis, any distress, any time throughout history. David prayed around 3,000 years ago, and this is perfect for Jews and Christians to pray now and during the tribulation. Let's look at the first passage. Verse 1 says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. So I will trust is the first action that we're taking here. To lift up the soul is to depend on the Lord, and this is parallel to trusting in Him. To trust is the Hebrew word batak, and it expresses reliance upon someone or something. Batak expresses that sense of well-being and security which results from having something or someone in whom to place confidence. The this, this Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, never translates this word batak with believe in. It always uses hope in the positive sense of relying on God or being persuaded. The Hebrew emphasis of this word is not about believing in God and having faith in Him, which we need, and it's not about having an intellectual knowledge of the Lord, and that's good combined with faith, but the emphasis of batak is trusting in the Lord in a way that leads you to feel safe and secure. It expresses the sense of being unconcerned, so think about that. Try that phrase on, oh my God. I am secure in you. Because of you I am unconcerned, unconcerned. Don't you want to say that? You could translate this whole phrase as I just did, oh my God, in you I feel secure. Now in verse 2 it says, do not let me be ashamed, do not let my enemies exult over me. And you see we're going to get to the idea of I will wait. One commentator, Mr. Golden Gay, says, the specific reason for needing to trust is the possibility of being dishonored and disgraced in the community. What would disgrace you in your community or cause you shame? What could God let happen to you that might cause your faith to be questioned or your God to be questioned? You may be taunted for trusting in God and waiting on God. There may be business failure, there may be illness, death in the family. And when this happens, it causes people on the outside of you to raise questions about your faithfulness to the Lord. Did you do something that brought this upon yourself? That happened to Job. His friends accused him of sin. There are things going on in the world today crises happening today, what if something that's going on out in society hits home and brings hardship upon you and your home? Job loss, financial hardship, is that going to reflect on your faith in the Lord? Would that cause you embarrassment if something happened to you because of your faith in the Lord? Do Crises and trials and very difficult experiences make you question whether God is a good God? Does it make you question whether He is a God to be worshiped? It's true that our circumstances can cause us difficulty in understanding God and the way that He relates to us. We're always trying to understand how God is at work in our lives. But we see David's confidence in Psalm 25. He says, none of those who wait for the Lord will be ashamed. That is a promise. God is at work displaying His power to a world that is watching, and He's doing this for His namesake. For His namesake, He's not going to let you be put to shame. What's the key here though? What's the key to this promise? It's those who wait on the Lord will not be put to shame. So that's another way of saying that those who trust in the Lord, those who rely on Him, those who find security in Him, those who take refuge in the Lord will not be put to shame. The Hebrew word for wait is kava. It means to look for, to hope, to wait with eager expectation, anticipating that God will act. This is a positive word. It's a word with confidence. It's not just about being patient, sitting still, passing the time, twiddling your thumbs. This is not a word that's talking about just waiting for the bus to come. This word, according to one of my dictionaries, is waiting with steadfast endurance, a great expression of faith enduring patiently in confident hope that God will decisively act for the salvation of his people. Waiting involves the very essence of a person's being, his soul, and those who wait in true faith are renewed in strength so that they can continue to serve the Lord while looking for his saving work. That should ring a bell, Isaiah 40, 31. There will come a time when all that God has promised will be realized and fulfilled. I am so thankful for that promise and the anticipation and what I'm waiting to see God carry out. In the meantime the believer survives by the means of his integrity and uprightness as he trusts in God's grace and power. So in Psalm 25 what do we see? It says, wait, wait, wait three times. Verse three, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. Verse five, you are the God of my salvation for you. I wait all the day. Verse 21, let integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait for you. As we go through dark days, times of uncertainty, and we wonder what is going to happen. We must wait on the Lord, not wait for coronavirus to go away, not wait for a vaccine, a cure, not wait for the economy to get better, not wait for Congress to pass good laws, not wait for Supreme Court judges to make God honoring biblical decisions. We are waiting on the Lord to act. We are waiting on Him to carry out His plans and for Him to act in our lives and provide for us and show us how to live. The question is still, what do we do while we're waiting on the Lord? The answer is in verses 4 through 7. We pray. Psalm 25, 4. Make me know thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. For thee I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy compassion and thy loving kindnesses. For they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to thy loving kindness, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. We pray. Teach me. You teach me, Lord. Show me your ways. Are you teachable? Are you turning to the Lord for His instructions for your daily life? Do you believe He will show you what to do? We ask the Lord to show us His ways. And this is not just the way to heaven, but the many ways and directions that we need daily. There are many moments of decision making. This is where the rubber meets the road. We've got questions, and it may be, what do I wear today? What am I supposed to eat for lunch? I have truly asked those questions, both of them. (laughs) What am I supposed to wear, and what am I supposed to eat right now? Other questions. What should our budget be? What should our financial priorities be? How should we give to others? In what way can we, can our family give to others? What's the wise way to prepare for the future? Where should I go right now? Who should I spend time with? What are the most important things that we should be teaching our children? These are all questions, specific questions to ask the Lord and look for His direction. We ask the Lord what to do today and we ask Him what we should be doing today to prepare for difficult times in the future. We are to look to Him for wisdom. There are many instructions that we've already been given in Scripture. What is the Lord's will? What has he told us to do? We need to realize that these apply right here and right now in our times of crisis. So I want to give you some reminders of what the Lord has already very clearly said. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 through 24, lots of instructions here. We urge you, brethren, Paul says, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all men see that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all men. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks." And there's no loophole to that. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He continues, do not quench the Spirit. Just a reminder, Everything I'm talking about we are doing in the power, in the strength, under the submission, under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Don't despise prophetic utterances. Examine everything carefully. Please do that. Pray for discernment. Hold fast to that which is good. This is good. God's Word is good. Hold fast to God's Word and to His Son, Jesus. Abstain from every form of evil, call evil, evil, turn from it. That's just First Thessalonians 5, I have a lot more, I might not read all of them. First Timothy 2, 1, I have to share this, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5, do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it's gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies toward the heavens. 1 Timothy 6, 8, if we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. Matthew 6:31 through 34, be Comforted and encouraged by what Jesus said. Do not be anxious then saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. And that's why it was okay for me to ask the Lord what to wear or what to eat because he knows what I need and what I should do. So don't worry, but ask him. And verse 33. Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I want to also mention Ephesians 5:22 and 5:33. Women who are wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord, you're not going to hear this from the world. Ephesians 5, 33, the wife must respect her husband. This is God's plan, it's His God's order. Proverbs 31, 25, this is about the woman who fears the Lord. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. Because she's looking to the Lord, He's leading her. Psalm 25 also tells us to pray that the Lord will remember his compassion and loving kindness to us. We want him to remember and demonstrate what he's revealed to us about his nature. So there are actions for us to take and there are actions that we're looking for the Lord to take. Lord, you remember your compassions. The word for compassion, oops, that's right there, (laughs) Raham, implies the attitude of a mother toward her child. We can pray that the Lord will show the special tenderness of a mother's love to us. When children are upset, when they're scared, hurt, crying, they just want mommy. A mother can comfort like no other can. When we ask the Lord to remember, To remember His compassion to us, we're also praying that He will not remember our sins. We are um, looking at two types of sin mentioned in Psalm 25, sins of our youth, and those are when we've strayed along the way, uh, sometime off the path of righteousness, sins of our youth, and transgressions Are actually outright rebellion or revolt against God and His authority. When you're going through times of crisis, whatever they may be, you need to see if you're mad at God for what He's allowing in your life. If so, confess, repent, and pray as David did in Psalm 25. Pray that God will not let the sins or rebellion keep him from acting now in loving kindness and mercy. Next in verses 8 through 10, we see a declaration, an acknowledgment of the authority and goodness of God. So say to God as David did, you are good, acknowledge this. We need to know it, believe it, and meditate on the goodness of God during troubling times. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them in his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. These verses are what renew our minds and lead us out of sin and rebellion. They tell us what we need to be humble and to submit to the Lord because he is the authority. They tell us to obey him and keep the demands of his covenant. Next, in verse 11, we see the center of this psalm. So this is a focal point. In this overall prayer for wisdom and for God to teach us his ways, the main point is here, Psalm 2511, for thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. This is a prayer for wisdom in Psalm 25, for God's ways in dark days. So why is there such an emphasis right in the middle? Why is there this focal point on our sinfulness? I suggest that it's because I sin. I sin and the crisis can bring out the worst sin in us or just it can bring out sin in us. During crisis we get mad, worried, depressed, angry, we get self-centered, and just selfish, and even though we are to rely on God, we might rely on ourselves. Or we may look to something other than God for security and comfort. Crisis can tempt us to look for something that will relieve the pain. What do people look towards? Drugs, alcohol. How about comfort food? Too much food chocolate, too much chocolate, entertainment, excessive sleep, escapes, or maybe it's just a person. As believers in Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, He is our deliverer and coming King. We alone are the people who can walk through crisis with confidence in our God and know that in the end, everything will be okay. Actually, in the end, everything will be better than we can imagine. Remember that. We're the ones that know that this world is not our home. We are here temporarily. That is something we've got to remember. All these crises that we go through are temporary, And God will use everything that we experience, He'll use it to sanctify us. He'll use it to transform us into the image of Christ. He's at work in our lives. The trials that He allows are good for us. So we need to pray. We need to confess and repent of our sins, to confess and be pardoned for our great sin. It may be the great sin of worrying. It may be the great sin of being selfish. It may be the great sin of looking elsewhere, just looking to something or someone besides God and making that the idol and what you worship and what you want more than anything. The last line of Psalm 25 tells us that this Prayer is not only for an individual, but it's a prayer for a nation. And I'm not at the end of my talk, but the last line of Psalm 25, verse 22 says, Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. So we can see here that a nation can pray through Psalm 25 as well. Let us pray for our nation that God will redeem people. Save souls that he will forgive their sin and bring them into his family and give them salvation. Pray that the times of crisis will cause people to seek him and turn their lives over to him. It happens. I've seen it. I've seen it over the years of different crises, the events urge people to seek for something, something to hope in, someone to hope in, somewhere to find peace, and the Lord is the answer. 9-11 attacks, a tsunami, earthquakes, war, hurricanes, pandemic, national trouble. These are opportunities for Christians to go and minister And the ultimate goal is of bringing the good news of the gospel to people in need. One of our pastors shared with me years ago, it's easy for us to grieve over our distresses, but that's not the kind of grieving that God seeks. He wants his people to live in tune with him and grieve over their sin. The next verses in Psalm 25 show what will happen when people turn to the Lord. They become God fearers and God's friends. Psalm 25, 12 through 14, who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. His soul will abide in prosperity and his descendants will inherit the land. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him and he will make them know his covenant. The ones who fear the Lord, who acknowledge his sovereignty and holiness will receive God's instruction. They will receive his provision. God blesses those who fear him. The NAS says that the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. Secret is the Hebrew word sod, and it means counsel, circle of confidants, confidential speech. So the secret of the Lord is the counsel that he gives those who are his circle of friends this is the best inside scoop you'll get from anyone. It's from the Lord himself. He tells you his ways for your good, and he tells you what you need to know when you need to know it. Moving to the next set of verses, we see a prayer again of dependence on the Lord, turning to him, trusting him through trials. Psalm 25, 15 through 18. My eyes are continually toward the Lord for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Look upon my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Look upon my enemies for they are many and they hate me with violent hatred. David's focus is on the Lord. In the midst of a crisis, AND WHEN EVERYTHING'S GOING GREAT, TOO, WE MUST FIX OUR EYES ON JESUS, AND WE MUST KEEP OUR EYES ON HIM, NOT ON OUR TRIALS, NOT ON OUR CIRCUMSTANCES. WHEN THE BURDEN OF TRIALS WEIGH US DOWN, WE TEND TO LET OUR EYES LOOK DOWN AS WELL AND JUST SLUMP, (laughs) BUT WE MUST LOOK UP TO THE LORD, FOR HE WILL PLUCK US OUT OF THE NET. The net often refers to danger from enemies, but it can also refer to the entanglement of our own sins. David is praying to be brought out of the distress of his own sin and out of the distress caused by his enemies. He asks the Lord to turn to him to be gracious, to bring him out and look on his troubles and forgive his sins. And we come to the end of the psalm and we see that It corresponds to its beginning. Well, I left a phrase off. Um, When we look to the Lord, we ask him to look upon us with grace and rescue us and give us forgiveness. And then at the end of the psalm, David says, Guard my soul and deliver me. Do not let me be ashamed, for I take refuge in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for thee. So we've seen another request that the Lord guard and deliver, and that the Lord not let David be ashamed. David won't be ashamed because he's taking refuge in the Lord. He's lifting up his soul to the Lord and declaring his trust in him. He's declaring his confidence in the Lord. In turning to the Lord and relying on him, we are safe and secure. Integrity and uprightness are personified in these verses. They are personified as guardians to preserve David and to preserve us. All of this indicates David's desire to walk in obedience to the Lord. And the final word of this Psalm is the prayer and a statement, I will wait for you. So look, it ends as it began. I'll trust and I'll wait. Wait, hope, and eagerly anticipate the Lord's action. No matter what's going on, no matter how dark the days are, don't give up on Him. I'll just remind you of what Psalm 27 said that we studied The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? We have nothing to fear and nothing to dread. We have the Lord to look to, to lead us and to take care of us through whatever trials he allows in our lives. As bad as it is, he will be with us, lead us and be our God. Please pray with me. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this teaching. I thank you that your uh, truths are applicable every day of our lives, every year of our lives. As we see the world turn and change, uh, your word is still so comforting, so clear. It's your direction, and it shows us your love for us and your care for us, and I thank you for that. And I thank you, Jesus, that... You are our savior. You are our peace. You are our refuge and our king. And we are waiting to see you. Until we see you, we love you here and now. And pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. That's all for today. I am Elizabeth Fickin. Thanks for studying the Bible with me.